Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, listeners of the Mad Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cogswell, here, as always, with my co-host, Marie Mayhew. Marie, you have something really exciting happening this week. I do have something really exciting happening. All of the Halloween stuff is coming into Target. No, that isn't, that isn't the thing, Marie. Oh, wait, oh, oh God, are you sure? Because that's really awesome. Pretty, Actually, I mean, yes. it is awesome. It is awesome. It is very awesome. I have a, uh, I am appearing in an episode of 48 Hours with Aaron Moriarty. Um, discussing the Circleville Letter Writer. And it will be airing, or it might have already aired, and you can uh, you can uh, DVR it, um, on Wednesday, the 25th of August. Yes. And normally Check they it out. Sh- it's- yeah, yeah. Normally they show, I think they show it on Saturdays, but this is a special night for Marie Mayhew. Um, yeah, it was really exciting. It was super fun. It was really... Um, kind of nerve wracking and scary too. And it just made me realize that I definitely have a personality, a huge personality for podcasting and not television. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Well, check it out. Listeners, uh, Marie Mayhew on 48 hours. Um, Oh my God. That's super exciting. All right, Marie, speaking of 48 hours and TV and stuff, this, this series, we're going to be talking about marketing. Oh my God. Sorry, sorry, sponsors. (laughs) Sorry, sponsors. It's such a weird thing. Marketing is something that it's really ubiquitous in all of our lives. We see it every single day. Mm -hmm. You you probably I mean, you listen to advertisements before you get into this podcast. Even you might have seen them. You might see them right now. If you look around you, you're going to see advertising, right? I mean, I'm I'm just looking around my room and I have clean that up. The loads, loads of advertising, right? All my guitar right. amps have the the logos of the guitars uh, of the right. amp companies. Right. All of my books have phone. logoing on them. Yeah. All of my, I got a bunch of Dunkin' Donuts cups here because I'm an addict. Dunkin'. Advertising's everywhere. Right. At least sometimes you know you're being advertised to, though. But there are so, other times, right, that you that you don't know necessarily. And so this episode, we're going to kind of dig into this weird aspect of modern life that we really don't we don't even really think of as weird anymore at least i feel like and talk about how it developed what some of the sciences is marketing a science can we consider marketing science a field and and what does some of the science that's been done around marketing say to us about its effectiveness and what it means for us jake roll the tape All right, Marie. Chris. This, so the reason we wanted to do this series and one of the first things that got us to really think about this, or at least got me to think about this, was I was on Reddit, you know, screwing around, looking at pictures of cats with their tongues out and people fighting on airplanes and whatever. And the art, an article came up on our science 
And what the title of the article was is advertisement has a negative return on investment for more than 80% of brands, which implies that most firms overinvest in ads. Hmm. Now, in this case, ads meant TV advertising. That's what they were specifically looking at. Mm-hmm. However, if you start digging into it and you start looking at other pieces of research that are done around advertising, it seems like advertising isn't really effective at all. It just makes people mad at you, which is hilarious because I know that's the feeling I get when I see an ad. Well, yeah, but OK, just just as the devil's advocate, though, but somehow you're being incentivized to buy stuff, right? I mean, I think one of the things you have to take into consideration is, you know, when you're being marketed to or when you know you're being marketed to. Because the two things are kind of different. And I think that that's where you start to get a little bit of the gray area. Because if marketing didn't work, you wouldn't have people spending money on it. Hypothetically, right? See, I, I don't know. I think that's I think that's a big assumption. I mean, you know, one of the mm-hmm. one of the top comments here is from mm-hmm. a, a user named Osaka Wilson, which knowing Reddit, like like Osaka Wilson, I hope you haven't posted anything like terrible on Reddit. But anyways, they they, they said Be smirching uh, Sasquatch or something like that. They said oh. it sounds like advertising firms are successful at advertising themselves, which I think is totally <laughs> true. I mean, I know at least in my day to day work too, like in my day job and even on the podcast, mm-hmm. we get we are. We are brought so many like. People who are supposed experts or leaders in these fields or whatever who say, I know how to make your podcast successful. Or, I know how to advertise successfully or I know how to make your organization make, you know, have better sales. And every one of them has no history of any of success in those re- in those fields. <laughs> It's it really is. It's like a it's it's similar, to, I think, in many ways to a guru who whose life is falling apart, coming to you and saying, I have the answers to happiness now. OK, so but hold up, hold up, hold up, guys, because I will take I'm not going to take a pro marketing stance um, because I'm not that eviscerate not the proletariat. Marie. What are we doing here? I know, I know, but I am going to, you know, I'm going to take a semi, a semi pro stance perhaps. Um, Because I mean, like from the moment you get up, right, you go to, you get up, you go to work. If you're pretending you're like actually physically going outside to work, you know, you go grocery shopping, you come home, you are being constantly assaulted. Your senses are constantly being assaulted. And the majority of that input that you're that you're receiving is marketing, right? You're, you're, you're being told to want something um, or you're being incentivized to want something, right? And I think that there is a certain portion of that that does seep through kind of on a subliminal level at some extent because, I mean, you end up buying things. Like I would, I would rebuttal by saying, but Cox, do you have a favorite brand? Like if you, you know, look in your room, look in your house, you know, look at your electronics or whatever, are you partial to something that you purchase versus something else? See, but that's the thing. I'm I am partial to things. I like to think that I'm partial to things because of their quality. You know, I guess maybe the closest thing, actually, recently Mm. I've been thinking about getting a new car. Oh, 
And perfect. This is a perfect I one. I have a one. I have a my my family generally, and my family right. I mean me and Katie and Katie's family and even my 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 mom and and everyone else in our family. Mm-hmm. We have we we all have different tastes in cars. I think, oh. but. We also have kind of brands we always navigate back to. So on my mom's side of the family, mm-hmm. we always used to buy Fords because my uncle worked for Ford. Interesting. Okay. But now I I buy Subarus. Interesting. Because honestly, despite like what the with the reviews and stuff saying whatever, because the Subarus that we've had in our lives have never broken down. So they've had they've they've been quality. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that so that's okay. the thing. I sometimes I wonder to myself if I am, if I mm-hmm. am, uh, there are obviously some things with advertising that do affect me. You know, I, I mean, I'm a I'm a human being. I'm a human I, out in the world. Right. There's there's definitely things that hit me, and mm-hmm. you know, I I actually sometimes think that it's not so much advertising as it is almost anti advertising stuff that appeals to me is our brands that will put out a commercial that's like advertising stupid. Well, look at or, that. Or kind yeah, of yeah. kind of tongue in cheek, you know, right. which is which right. is completely inauthentic and ridiculous and stupid. But, but it's yeah. You know, there like there's a there's a if anything I feel like advertising makes me not buy brands in some cases because I I mm. actively go out of my way mm-hmm. to not buy them. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm just an asshole. So, you demographic. No, but you're a demographic. You're not just an asshole. You're a demographic. Right. If you look at it kind of from that from that standpoint, there is a group of people um, that they can kind of that marketers can pinpoint that don't trust marketing. They yes. don't want to be marketed to. So that's a demographic. And that's scary, too. Right. Because you're still being marketed to. Um, but going back to Subaru. So I think Subaru is particularly interesting because so much of Subaru's brand is based on dependability, right? It's the, you know, it's the guys that are getting in the car. He's got the puppy, right? And then you show the evolution of the car getting slightly more beat up, man aging and the puppy growing up, right? And they're on all these outdoor, I think that that's, I'm pretty sure that's a Subaru ad. And that's pretty yeah, scary no, that it's, I can remember it's very it, right? Subaru. The dog is very, very Subaru. It's very subaru right? And so it's like, they have taken that experience that you've had and they have marketed it. So it's almost like a feedback loop, right? So when, when do you break that feedback loop? How can you break that feedback loop? Because it's reinforcing what you think and what you think is feeding its marketing. See, but if, if the object, if the super, if the cars weren't reliable, mm-hmm. if they, if they weren't reliable, if they weren't good quality, mm-hmm. if I didn't have mm-hmm. good experiences with them, You'd go somewhere else. You'd do something else. But can you? Well, I really- think I think it would. I think it would. It would cheapen the advertising. You know, like I I think a lot about. Um, right now, there's an ad, there's an ad on TV that drives me crazy. I think it's so stupid. Mm-hmm. It's a. Just I, I, mm-hmm. I think it's for VMware maybe. Um, and it's like a it's a. So I you know we watch a lot of news in this house, mm-hmm. and. A lot of the news have these. They always have advertisements from like stupid places, you know, or, or like it's, you know, an Exxon Mobil ad where it's, you know, a, it's a what's the word like a mixed, you know, a, a biracial family scrubbing oil off of a duck and being like Exxon Mobil cares, you know, <laughs> that's not true. Yes. Exxon Mobil doesn't give a shit. 
No, Exxon and, and of course they don't. They're a company. Like, why would they give a shit? They, they, that has no effect on oh, what they, give, they are. Yeah, they give a shit you know, about making money. That's it what reminds me about, a yeah. lot. It reminds me a lot of the time of the the story of you know. I think we even talked about this recently. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the story of the scorpion. It's a. I think it's a Russian yeah. proverb. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the well, scorpion yeah, and the yeah. frog. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. know, we talked about this. I think on the disclosure series where. A, there's a scorpion and a frog and the scorpion wants to cross the water. And so it tells the frog, Hey, let me ride on your back. We'll both get across the way. And the frog says to him, well, why would I do that? You're going to sting me and kill me. And the scorpion says, well, why would I do that? That'd be stupid. Like it would hurt me too. And so the frogs convinced like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So get on. And halfway across the water, the scorpion stings the frog and the frog says, why would you do that? Now we're both going to die. And the scorpion says, I know I'm a scorpion. <laughs> you know, you, you, you it, I think it's part of that whole, we, when we started this, we were talking about like authenticity off the air, me and right. you. Yeah. I think it's part of that authenticity question of. Does again, does a company practice what it preaches to me? Exxon Mobil putting an advertisement mm-hmm. out where they're saying, you know, we're creating cl- clean fuels for the future. That's horseshit, you know, mm-hmm. you, you mm-hmm. Exxon, to be fair, ExxonMobil does do a lot of good research work and everything else and all that. But at the end of the day, the world is burning because of companies like ExxonMobil who hid climate change research for decades. So it, it that feels like a it's a little bit too late. She <laughs> right. It's too little too late to start having those well, sorts of discussions. Yeah, it's it's a fake. It's a fake authenticity. It's, it's right. It, it's a brand that's not working on that. That component of that brand does not work for Exxon. No. Right. And so, and that, and that is also, I think part of what makes these other, so the ad I'm thinking of, it's called, it's called embracing change. <laughs> and it's a woman, a woman, a woman so, comes out. So and, good. And is like, so good. what happens when we embrace change? Oh, Jesus. And it we just, never it, she change. writes the word change or something like it comes out in script. And it's like, when we embrace change, things happen, whatever. And every time the commercial oh. comes on, I scream at the TV. I do not want to embrace Chang. Because <laughs> um, I think it'd be really funny if the commercial was like, what happens if we embrace Chang? And then it was just a picture of like just some random like Asian dude, like, I am Chang. <laughs> and it's like, let Chang in your life. Let him come in your home. Let him eat your food and play with your things. You know, it's like a, advertising, yeah. it just, it makes me, it makes me gutturally, like it just makes me physically angry. I but, fucking but hate thing, it. But the thing is, is again, that is like, I, I hate to, you know, I hate to harp on it, but your hate of advertising is a demographic. Right. I, I know that that's the thing is like if you look at again, we'll, we'll go kind of into the into like the history of stuff. But, you know, that that disenfranchised, I know what I'm being marketed to and I don't like it is an entire generational it, it, marketing marketers probably considered an entire generational event. Right. So there's going to be this group of people now that are in their prime demographic for spending money. Right. And there's only so much market share. Right. So if I'm looking at a product, some gizmo that I think that they're going to want, and there's a lot of those gizmos on the market, how am I going to get you, this this group of people that do not want to be marketed to, how do I market to you? Because I have to market to you. Well, the, and whether whether it's effective, whether we can say it's effective or not, 
I can, I can, I think the thing that is definite is we are constantly being marketed to, you are constantly being sold something, whether it's, you know, in it's, it, it bleeds across all lines, whether it's products, whether it's how you should be, you know, living your life, whether it's what you should be eating or how you should be thinking. I mean, you're constantly being um, fed information that's meant to change your behavior. What's, What's interesting, Marie, is <laughs> there are a lot of I mean, you're totally right. We're always marketed to. And even when we don't think we are like there is all there is always. The minute we invented money, <laughs> there were people who were trying to find the best way to trick you into giving them yeah. your money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the I guess that's the differentiation for me. I don't mind so much when a company like Subaru advertises to me because mm -hmm. I feel like I've gotten good value out of Subaru. Mm -hmm. So it's kind mm -hmm. of like, okay, fine. I will give mm -hmm. you, you know, mm -hmm. in, the way that I view kind of time and market and everything else, it's very, again, kind of like a, I don't know. It's very Marxist, I guess. And the way that I view this huh. is, and not Marxist <laughs> in like the, you know, da -da, ba -ba -da, da, like stupid internet Marxist, but like, actually Stupid you know whatever economic determinism right the right, way i view right, it is right, my right. my time is my money yes right like my yes. labor is my your labor money. is so, your yes your labor is your value yes so yes. any any moment that i am looking at advertising is time that i am giving i'm is time is being stolen from me right by this company right. and so if if the advertising isn't at least you know interesting right if they can at least get tim and eric to make the ad to be weird and funny i want nothing to do with it and that again it's i think part of that whole like you're saying the demographic right like getting you know trolley just put out a new series of ads that are very strange and kind of funny where oh, yeah. it's like a kid is hiding in a hallway and the gummy worms are like you know put us in your mouth chew us with your teeth you know like bite our heads yeah, yeah. off and the kid's like trying to get them to be quiet or whatever yeah. That is very funny to me and it's very effective advertising to me. Right. Right. Yeah. So I know. Yeah. So I'm I'm Marie. The only answer is to go into the woods and start start making uh, start start, start making, making your own screws. Start making your um, own screws and building a kidding, small hut. Yeah. All right. When we when we come Maybe. back from the break, we're going to get into <laughs> how is that? How did advertising start? What is this history to this clearly evil field? <laughs> All right. <laughs> And we're back. We got all that bile out of my system here, Marie, for this topic. And the it's so terrible. All right. I know. It's so fun to get you so mad about something other than chemtrails. I know. Aliens. <laughs> if I knew marketing did this, we would have been doing it months ago. What's uh, one of the most fascinating things to me is how I think of marketing as sort of a modern invention. Like mm -hmm. I, I think mm -hmm. of marketing as coming about with like the TV or even radio radio. Sure. You sure. Know, or, or newspaper mm -hmm. or whatever. But that's not really true. We actually what's what's one of the earliest uh, pieces of evidence we have for marketing being a thing is in um, clay. Clay makers like makers marks on pottery is a, is a type of branding. Right? It's a type right. of it's a type right. of advertising. Another type actually is. There are mosaics from like 35 B.C., 100 B.C. that show 
that have advertising on them. So there's actually one from Pompeii. And it basically says it's for a um, it's for a fish sauce, which is disgusting. But anyways, it's for a fish sauce. And so it's called Garum in uh, in, in from Pompeii. And so there are these like houses that are decorated. And so they say they have these. It's like a mosaic pattern of a bottle. And on there, it says uh, the flower of Garum made of the mackerel, a, par- a product of Scarus from the shop of Scarus. It's so Early funny. So that, exactly. So <laughs> this guy, Scarus, was like, buy my fish sauce. Oh, very yeah, interesting. Hey, what's that? Uh, what, what's that volcano been doing over there? Anybody paying attention? Nope. OK, back to fish sauce. <laughs> back to fish sauce. Uh, but actually, some of the earliest, some of really what we think of today as advertising, we're like, you know, door to door traveling salesmen, direct mail advertising, those sorts yeah. of things come from pottery makers. Again, from uh, Josiah Wedgerwood and Matthew Bolton. So this was around like the 17, 1700s, like 1750s, 1760s. They started what's called mass marketing. So. This idea of you get a lot of advertising to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And even if the return rate is low, 10% or so, yeah. if you get that out to a thousand people, that's that's a hundred sales you wouldn't have made otherwise. That's right. Yeah. And so that really kind of begins this idea of marketing as a as a concept. But so if we think about sort of, you know, these these early, early days of marketing. So the real mm-hmm. big changes happened Again, like the 1400s, right? So Gutenberg makes the printing press, of course, which which makes advertising possible in those ways. But it wasn't really until the 1600s that we start having. Actual like what we today would consider to be newspapers and Mm -hmm. advertising in newspapers. Mm -hmm. And really quickly, I mean, the advertising and marketing up to this point is product based, right? Yes. it's it's solely I am selling you a product. I'm not trying to sell you a abstract concept. It's transactional. Um, and it kind of again, it'll, it'll talk about like, what is the value of the product? But it's it's sort of on the strictly transactional level. You don't have, um, you know, it's it's later that they get into the other stuff. But keep going. Yes. No. Yeah. So. Exactly. Like these are right. these are really focused on like. The product as a again, this product will be good for its use. It's value based kind of advertising. This product tastes good, tastes better than the other stuff. Yeah, it's not so much. It's not so much sort of like it. There's a difference between a brand. Right. You know, if you think about like, you know, you think about like think about a pickup truck. What do you think about when you think of a pickup truck? Well, it's, yeah, it's it's it, it, you're asking kind of a relatively more brand savvy, exactly. savvy person. Exactly. But like I think of I think of outdoorsmanship. I think of hauling things. You know, I think of uh, I think I excuse male. Right. I, I don't see a lot of I don't imagine a lot of women driving them um, and younger, you know, like a demographic. But again, like I'm already be, I've already been affected, but I get what you I think what you're getting at is the difference. There is a difference in marketing and brand. Yes. Right? So yes. marketing That's is exactly sort of, what I'm getting. yeah. Marketing is sort of this outward transaction. It is the vehicle in which you are going to communicate the sale or what you are trying to sell the brand and the brand 
and kind of brand evolution comes closely thereafter, like Chris is saying, like, you have goods that have a mark on them that show, you know, again, this pot came from this, this pot that can't, that, that looks this way, feels this way, and is used for this thing is now associated with the person who made it. So the brand is the embodiment of those more abstract ideas to an actual thing. Yes. It's what I, what I'm exactly what I'm trying to get at, Marie. The idea of like, there's this, there's a difference between the value that a pickup truck brings to you. Right. Right. right? That it, it's right. able to be, you know, most, I would argue that the majority of the people I see in Massachusetts near Boston driving pickup trucks are not going back to the farm to bay I don't hail. know that. Sorry. I don't know. Is there a lot of, is there a lot of, uh, farmers bailing hay in, uh, in There's a- some farming in the, in the, around here, but it's like not enough for all the pickup trucks, you know? So, <laughs> you know, like um, the, yeah, the, right, the, right. So clearly it's something else. They're buying it for some other reason, you know, to, and I, I always think back to the TikTok. There's a TikTok now of Alex Jones, his voice over different types of pickup trucks. And so it's like, you know, I'm an American. I'm a Canadian. I'm a liberal. Um, there's one that shows the Tesla one and it's like, I'm a I'm a proto robot humanoid in a technocracy. <laughs> it's so funny. But, that's, but, but you're, what you're bringing up is sort of a good point because it's like, what is a brand? Like, how do you like it's a very squishy. Thing. Yes. It's very so, this, so these these early forms of advertising, though, again, mm-hmm. they're not based on the brand. They're based no. on like, I have this product you might have not known you wanted, but I have this product. But it's not like, mm-hmm. again, it's not like, product. you know, it's you think fish. of Coca-Cola mm-hmm. and you think of Christmas. Right. It's right. not that. It's not right. that. Well, that's and I guess I think that that is like, and that's one of the reasons that I think that marketing is sort of interesting because it's like you um, whether you like it or not, you've been trained. You have already been affected by marketing. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we start seeing around, again, around like the 1800s, we start seeing paid advertising come into play more and more across the world. So what that actually means is, you know, you pay to put an advertising piece in a widely read or widely circulated piece of content. Mm-hmm. So again, mm-hmm. newspapers, pamphlets, what have you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's funny, actually, though, that the the marketing has always sort of been linked to communication. And so if we think about like the telegraph, we may not think about the telegraph as being particularly good for, say, spam, but it actually was used in that way. So people would people would like advertisers would pay to just have advertisements t- sent over the telegram lines to people, hmm. which is fascinating. Which is um, it weird because remi- it's a very limited market. <laughs> well, sure. Well, but it's think a, about it. If you have person. a telegraph, you're probably super rich. Well, yeah, you're, you're probably super rich and you're just that one person, right? Receiving it. 
it's a one probably to one. more effective than like Facebook advertising because <laughs> you can really guarantee these people have money. Oh, that's, yeah, that's true. That's early. That's very early targeted marketing. And so we really start to see, though, around the 1800s where people start using the branding itself. They start realizing the brands themselves are valuable. And so they start. And so the really beginning of this starts with filmmakers, actually. So 1876, um, Auguste and Louis Lumiere started making. They were making films, these are early films, but they started to include products in the film, specific products in the film. Ah, oh, paid advertising, paid placement. Nice. And so it's early this, paid placement. Smart. This is really the beginning of the use of a brand, kind of a lifestyle, right? You can show your character, you know, John Wayne is in, John Wayne is out there using a cast iron grill to cook his, his Jimmy Dean sausages or whatever. Ah, he's smoking a cigarette. You know, he's smoking a Marlboro because he's, he's smoking a the Marlboro. fucking man, Marie. <laughs> I get get out of here with these Virginia Slims or whatever the hell, I don't even know. But, <laughs> you know, so it's, it really... This well, is the time. Jo- that's a little early for John Wayne, but yes. Sorry. Yes. This yet. is this is early though. So the 18 1880s to like yeah. early 1900s. This yeah. is really where advertising as a brand and it really being part of your like everyday happens. And of course, right. the next big thing that starts the radio right in the 1920s, the 1940s television. Right. And now today where we start talking about in the, the, you know, the the 90s, the mid 90s and everything else where advertising happens and it's not even, you know, with television and radio, even on podcasts, you know, when you're being advertised to because it happens at set times. Yes. Our show breaks and then an ad plays. Yes. But on the Internet it can be a lot harder to make that differentiation. Well, and uh, yeah, in general. But I mean, I think the thing that's interesting too about like the advent of radio, TV, billboards, and when magazines were actually real paper magazines, magazine placement, is you have a very, very limited time to make an impression on someone. Yes. You have just, you have 15 seconds, you have 30 seconds. Um, and that literally is mo- all the time the general, like a general audience person will give you. Like if you cannot, if you can't get into their consciousness about what it is in that time period, you won't, you won't convert them. Right. So I think that that is one of the things that's also fascinating about the amount of rapidity that you see with like TV and ads and, you know, again, magazine ads and how you're constantly during that time, you're constantly being hit with, with, you know, the, the clever ads. So how do you get someone to pay attention? That's again, where you start to see the brand, um, more of the brand focus coming in. Like, what are the things that you're going to try and communicate out to hook the person to watch? Mm-hmm. That's, that is, that is, Again, like you have that limited, that limited time and that limited window. And this is where I think you also start to get the advent of more sciencey stuff. Now, just really quickly as a little side note, I, in my past, worked as a direct marketer. So I put together direct marketing programs 
and did a lot of the print buying for them. And direct marketing is a little different. It is the actual, like, you, it's junk mail is really what it is. But um, the junk mail is carefully planned with the message and tested. So it is, I would say, you know, we're going to make some arguments about the validity and sort of the effectiveness of um, what is a science or a scientific approach in marketing. I think out of all of it, direct marketing is actually the thing that you can test and have an understanding of the response of that test. Um, but yeah, just wanted to put out that plug out there for direct marketers. Not that I, you know, again, like I think, like Chris was saying, if you get just 1%, if you, if you can send it out to hundreds of millions of people and you get 1%, the response back, you've made money. What's so... <sighs> yes, Chris. So we had this shift away from marketing of a, of a product <laughs> that was, you know, Shifting away from the product, a product that is, it, it fills some role for you. Right. I, you know, I need a wrench. So I'm going to go to the store and get a wrench. Yes. We've shifted away from. I drink from, a cup of coffee because I like, I drink coffee in the morning, but I don't think more about it than that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We've shifted away from that to, again, my coffee, my wrench I use, my everything is, is a symbol of my lifestyle. One of the one of the pieces of advertising that is always just like I don't understand <laughs> is have you ever seen snap on stickers snap on, on cars snap up no not that one so no it's they they make they make tools oh 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 it's oh, a tool okay, company yes. yes 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 sorry but like there are people driving around with like cars that have like snap on stickers next to like you know calvin peeing on the yankees logo or whatever mm -hmm. i don't i don't i don't understand how like mm -hmm. automotive tools have become brand loyalty well, that's crazy everything's loyalty no 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 it's well it, yes it is crazy but it's it is it is absolutely something that if you think about so you think about like okay what would make a person what what would make a person who, if you talk to them, they would say that they are rational, that they would say that they are, uh, you know, that they are a totally normal person, they're rational, they listen, all those things. What would make a person like that put a sticker for a product on something else that they value, something else of high value, right? So it's like that to me is again, why that's effective, right? Because what they're, what basically I would assume, you know, I don't, I don't see that I could look up, like, could probably look up the marketing strategy behind that is like, that, whatever that product is, the, the, whatever the, the wrench is, strap on, is that it? That sounds like a different product. Snap on. Snap on. Okay. Strap on. Well, I just, whatever. Never um, seen one of those stickers. I've never seen one of those stickers. No, no, I've seen a few of those. Um, if I had to guess, those that that group of people have a strong brand loyalty to that product because that company and that product reflects something about aspiration, about uh, um, how they see their lives, how they see their personality. It becomes a prism or a lens in which they view a portion of their identity. Well, the, and the that's normal. That's like actually like I think that everybody has a little bit of that effect with certain, with certain things in, you know, certain things that they purchase. The farthest, 
the farthest I can tell or the mm-hmm. as far as I can tell uh-huh. what that is saying, it is sort of in it's like in community coding. Yes, because exactly. I don't I don't know what exactly. the hell snap on is. No, I'm driving down the highway. I'm like, what the hell is snap on? But then in I your, Google it. Subaru, right. But then I Google it right in my uh, in my Subaru. Then I Google it and yes. I Google it and I find out, oh, these are tools for mechanics. So that person's yes. a mechanic. Yes. That person is trying to tell to other mechanics like I'm a mechanic. They are. And, I, and I have a big and I have a preference yes. for these types of tools because I'm I take my mechanicing very seriously. They are self-identifying and communicating with an audience. Yes. Yes. So it's yeah. it's like yeah. having it's like having on your car like a Gibson sticker or something. It'd yes. be like, oh, I play guitar. It's you are part you know, of a club. You are. Included. Right. It's exactly. It's, good it's saying that I'm it's saying mm-hmm. I'm part of a community. It yeah. just is always so interesting to me. The things that have become part of that, like that, that's part of a community, you know. And so with yeah. with and that, that really is what we mean by that, that delineation between what a brand is and what a product is, you know, snap on might be really good tools. I don't know, but. but they're not strap on. <laughs> I, I probably won't, you know, I really like it's the same. You know, I kind of think about this a lot with like negative advertising in, in a way mm. or the effect of advertising against mm. your brand. There was a company that tried to do this and it actually really affected. It really negatively affected them. So. I guess a lot of coffee consumers were mad at Starbucks because they're too like liberal or whatever, which it's like mm-hmm. this company started mm-hmm. in they started like Seattle creating small, uh, small impact coffee. You don't think they're going to be mm-hmm. liberal, but anyways, whatever <laughs> this mm-hmm. this company specifically this one company called Black Rifle Coffee decided that they were going to be the conservative answer to Starbucks because I guess everything needs a liberal and conservative uh, you know, band. agenda. But yeah. so they started doing that and then their logo became, you know, and all their coffee have like gun names. So it's like, you know, AK-47 blend and like, you know, it's- war crimes, morning roast and whatever. <laughs> and so it became like a big, it became a really big hit though for conservatives mm-hmm. and for mm-hmm. a specific type of conservative mm-hmm. who is a culture warrior, right? Because if you're just a, if you're a person with conservative leanings, you know, I, I I think a lot of the times I have very. I, I am definitely somebody who has just generally kind of anti-government, anti what whatever I know. Right. Oh, my God, Marie, no way. <laughs> I'm definitely a person who has those views, but I am not a culture warrior. Like I do not fit in with like conservatives or conservative Americans, really. Um, you know, I'm just like in a cabin in the woods, just kind of like doing my own thing. Um at least that's that's in my head. That's where I am. Yes. But yes. I think a lot of for a lot of people, though, kind of the culture warrior stuff is very anti-government, anti-atheist, yeah, uh, pro-Catholicism, you know. Yeah, uh, but I, just to step back, I mean, where is that coffee? Where is that coffee company now? How well, are so they that, doing so, now? So what I was going to say was uh-huh. what ended up happening was that a lot of people who went to the January 6th riot wore their logo. Huh. Boom. Because that's their demographic, right? That's the people mm-hmm. that they were unwitting, unwittingly advertising. Not really unwittingly. Yeah. They were right. They were the people that they caffeinated. Yeah. That's the group of people that their advertising ended up appealing to. And now they came out and didn't like the people who owned the company came out and did an interview. Um, 
they basically came out and said, you know, uh, we don't we don't want to be we don't <laughs> want to be listed with these people. Mm, like we don't want to be thought mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be thought of as being part of this community of people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, all of their people, all their all their all their purchasers, all their brand loyalists came out and said, like, well, they're part of the deep state. Then clearly right. this is a psyop or psyop right. or whatever. Well, so then that that raises a question, which is kind of interesting. So then how how do you control a brand? Right. Because you've you've raised a couple really good things. Right. One that you have. So you have this this marketplace that is deeply saturated coffee. Right. You've got a lot of coffee companies out there. You've got Pete's. You've got like the small ones you got. And then you got Starbucks. Right. If you're going to open a coffee, a, a if you are going to try to take on that market, you have to have something that is seriously differentiated from all of those other coffees. Right. Or else you are just going to get you're not going to be able to get market share, right? Because that's really what we haven't really talked about it, but really that's what's that's what's the end game is market share. I have to dominate the market or else I'm I'm not making as much money as I possibly could, is the company thought, right? And right now, Starbucks, good, bad, and different, dominate the market. So if I'm some small coffee company, then maybe I uh, and I have I have some fringe leaning anyways, or maybe my investment money is fringe leaning. I put out this crazy ass coffee blend that's like, you know, uh, you know, a uh, Glock morning blend or what, whatever you were calling it. Right. Um, and I, I, I oh, and look, it has it gets traction because it's different. So it gets it gets traction. However, what you don't have or you're not thinking about is how how are you controlling how are you going to control what that brand does and where that brand takes you that brand took them to february or to to um the insurrection right to the sixth and it's like all of a sudden they're like oh holy shit but it's too late because their brand outpaced what they expected it could do or what where it could go like the other thing with 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 marketing is like these things are normally, I'm air coding, normally kind of carefully planned out. Like, okay, so we want it to, we want the brand to be able to make you feel good, but not so good. Um, or in, we want you to feel included, but not so included that you're going to go take over the capital, right? Like you, you have parameters around what you, what it should do and what it shouldn't do. They clearly did not. I think a really interesting kind of flip side version of that is Charlottesville and tiki torches, right? So when you think of a tiki torch before Charlottesville, you are thinking of Hawaiian luau summer, right? You're thinking, oh, you know, you're going to have drinks outside. It's a beach party. It's sort of kitschy, right? Mm. Uh, Yum. And then all of a sudden Charlottesville comes and you see a bunch of supremacists carrying tiki torches. And now... After that, you are, if you are, I don't know who the maker of those tiki torches are, but holy smokes, all of a sudden their brand it has taken <laughs> just a huge hit because you can't think of a tiki torch without thinking of white supremacy. You know, another another really good example of that actually right now, it just mm-hmm. it, I think it just got announced like yesterday or something, mm-hmm. was OnlyFans is now saying they're no longer going to allow sexually explicit content on their website. I, I don't what, even know what that is. I'm what bugged. else do you make? 
Oh, only Murray. Literally, like a week ago, if you had told, if you had asked me what is OnlyFans, I would have told you it's a porn website. Oh, it's a website where like so people. Why would I be asking you that? I don't I know. I don't your privacy. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But um, you and your clap-on strap-ons. I don't get into that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Murray. Essentially, what it is. So OnlyFans, it's a, it's like Patreon, but. Mm-hmm. So people pay you for content, but the content, mo- the vast majority of people on OnlyFans perform mm-hmm. and produce is like sexual services content. So like, you know, you can pay to get like videos or whatever. Right. So and 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 so and this is like literally become right. their brand like OnlyFans. There are rap songs. People talk about, you know, she's going to start an OnlyFans or whatever. Like OnlyFans has become synonymous with people getting into digital sex work. And OnlyFans is tr- is trying desperately to Get separate it. itself from that. Nope. But it but it, it gets to your entire point, right? Which yep. is yep. Yep. At, at a certain like marketing is in some ways it's, it's a monster. It's, the way it's the way I, it, well yeah it's Frank mm-hmm. it's Frankenstein's monster. You can't really control it once you've monster. made it. But the other thing it makes me wonder about is, for example, mm-hmm. like OnlyFans. Okay, you make OnlyFans and you think this is going to be a way for people to give video content to users. That they mm-hmm. can pay for directly. Mm-hmm. That's your original thought. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take off in that way that you thought it was, but mm-hmm. instead people are using it for a different service. Mm-hmm. But it and does take money. off then. And you're you making have, loads of money. You're you've making stupid make money. money. You make stupid money or else you don't make the right. It, it, that's the decision based is, is the why, money. Yeah. Why would you not embrace mm. what people are using mm. it for? Mm, I don't know. That's kind of an interesting, that's an interesting, um, that's kind of an interesting dilemma. Like the other example of it I can think of off the top of my head is um, Corona beer. All right. Corona beer, again, a uh, huge brand, huge. They have a good, they had a good market share, right? They were clearly identified. I can think of their commercials, especially at Christmas. They've got the palm tree with lights, right? Um I can see there, I can see there, even though I don't drink the beer, I can see what it looks like. Suddenly the coronavirus comes along and it's like now they are, their brand is the name of a pandemic, right? It's the name of something that's killing people. Like, how do you even navigate from that? Even though people clearly know that, like, I think the vast majority of their market globally recognizes that they are two different things. Like I'm not going to drink the beer and either be vaccinated against the coronavirus or get the coronavirus, right? Like I think that that's clear, but you still will always have that association. Yeah. How do you get beyond that? Like that's, that is, that's the thing where it's like, I think as soon as you feel like you have a grip on what your brand is, um, something will upset that entire that entire like that ecosystem right Mm -hmm. it could be as simple as somebody like you and your demographic being like i don't believe in this anymore i'm not buying it because you're marketing to me and i can tell right which is totally which is rational but everyone's like oh holy smokes now we have to make our brand more authentic which i think is kind of within the last i don't know 25 years the idea like we were discussing the idea of um authenticity how can I how can I convince someone that um, that it's not a uh, that it's not a contrived that this mm-hmm. is actually what this is? How can I get that much 
because that if if somebody uh, again the premise being is if somebody recognizes authenticity it's disarming right you're being your true authentic self you're vulnerable you're um you know again you're 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 asking for response in a in a way that they feel is not being contrived like i was saying so how how but is is that even a thing can I think the thing I keep going back to, especially with marketing and the authentic self, is that's bullshit. I would argue that because now we have a, like as a quick little side note, um, you know, work, you know, corporations are very much into bring your authentic self to work. Be your authentic self at work. And I'm like, bitch, you do not want to see my authentic self, right? <laughs> Nobody. You don't want to see anyone's authentic self. You know why? Because that's like a that's like a that's like an animal. That's like a, a reptile part of your brain. Like your authentic self is not pretty, and it's not socially good, right? And that's why it's authentic. So why would you encourage that in a workplace, right? Why, why would you encourage that type of thing? What you should be encouraging is like let's tell let's let's teach you how to navigate the best way you possibly can. So you don't have to have stress during your day, but nobody wants their authentic self. Anyway, well, so that question of authenticity—that was my rant. Woo! That that question of authenticity more, is I gotta where get some more gun barrel coffee. <laughs> that discussion of authenticity is where mm-hmm. we're going to pick up next episode. Yes. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at madscientistpod or at teamgiantsquid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. Because we love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen. Our web design is done by Desdemona Howard. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.